0: Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's explanations. with Dr. podcast, episode 57. Today's topic is cognitive dissonance, this concept in psychology where you're more likely to change your beliefs to match your behaviors rather than your behaviors to match your beliefs when the two of them are in conflict. Kind of goes against what we would think intuitively, but in my life, at least, I've seen it repeat over and over where my... Beliefs change to match my behaviors. And I thought it would be really cool to talk with Troy, you may know as Kujmous, K-U-J-M-O-U-S, who is all over the internet, inspiring people, kind of uh, heading up the cheerleading squad for the audience of YouTube creators and online personalities, because you have been so supportive of me uh just you can tell when i'm experiencing cognitive dissonance and you've been really wonderful at naming that and then um yeah just rooting for me and saying go Lindsay, go and sending really sweet compliments and kind words to make that discomfort of the the conflicting thoughts and behaviors um more manageable so thank you
1: you are welcome (laughs)
0: Thanks for being on my podcast. Oh,
1: no problem. How are you doing today?
0: Great, and you?
1: I'm doing quite well.
0: Oh, good. I want to first plug our Patreon people, the ones who make this show possible. Uh, If you go to patreon.com slash explanations podcast, the Millers, Ben, Donna Flint, and Paul, they've all um, pledged at the boss level, and so in their honor... We have a, a test question, a testes. Dr. Doe is holding testes. She's holding testes. Which I have asked Troy to come up with this, this week. Do you have one for me? I do. Cool. Are you ready? Am I going to fail? No, you won't. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. If not, that's, that's cool too. That's part of it.
1: The theory of cognitive dissonance was first developed by Leon Fessinger. What additional theory did Fessinger propose in 1950 that says physical and or psychological closeness increases interpersonal liking and attraction? Four options.
0: Oh my gosh, this is so good. You should do this every week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A. Option effect. B. Proximity effect. C. Nearness theory. Or D theory
0: of choice. Okay, can you ask the question one more time?
1: What additional theory did Fessinger propose in 1950 that says physical and or psychological closeness increases interpersonal liking and attraction?
0: Is it proximity?
1: It is. Proximity effect, yes.
0: He came up with it? He did. Oh my gosh, I think he is my, my person. I am way... I didn't... I, because you know this, that I... I regard the proximity effect as legit. I did an episode on attraction and have talked about it even here on the podcast where it's like that physical or psychological closeness has a part in attraction, that it's not just a sexual attraction to someone or even a physical attraction to them aside from the distance. Wow. And you're telling me that the same person who came up with cognitive dissonance, which is one of my favorite, favorite theories, came up with that as well. Well, thank you. You're quite welcome. I liked your other options, too. They would have thrown me if I I didn't know the meaning of proximity effect. Oh, my gosh, Troy, that's wonderful. Well done. Thank you. So what's up? So what are your thoughts on cognitive dissonance?
1: Oh, well, I was just thinking about cognitive dissonance in a... a grand concept it could be something as subtle as a disagreement between you know what a person thinks and what a person does Um, but it seems to have so much power even right now in our political landscape uh, the word hypocrisy Mm -hmm. uh, seems to uh, exemplify the same type of effect where your actions and your, your behaviors are, are one thing, but your thoughts uh, seem to indicate something else. And it seems to have implications in so many more levels than just, just a, at a psychological level. So it's just very interesting stuff.
0: How can you always seem to tell when I'm experiencing it?
1: Because, oh man, how can I tell? <laughs>
0: Yeah, how can you tell? So I'll post something on Twitter, or I, I don't know where where all you follow me, but then I will get this really nice direct message from you saying, like, the, the cognitive dissonance is, you know, I can sense it, or, you know, I empathize with you trying to navigate that today.
1: I, I think, first and foremost, I know that you're a nice person.
0: Oh, <laughs> thank you. Uh,
1: and. I know that sometimes sometimes we all get frustrated, we all have our moments where uh, we have to vent, we have to let things out. And I think it's, it becomes apparent that something's bothering you when that happens because it's so out of character, it, it becomes obvious. And it's just a matter of, I mean, I have a general gist of how you behave, how you understand people. I know the kinds of things you put into the world. And when you would say something about uh, FOSTA or SESTA, perhaps, or when you would say any kind of uh, opinion um, that has frustration in it, I can tell that that's something that you thought about that has been bugging you because that's not something you would normally do. Mm. It's just knowing kind of when you're not normal, when you're not your... Normal self, when you're not your normal <laughs> self.
0: I wonder if also maybe I'm in a pretty constant state of cognitive dissonance. You think? About things, and yeah, do you not feel that?
1: Well, I, I sense cognitive dissonance in a lot of things, and yeah, there's, there's a, a level that we're all at, I think, that you know, we're not exactly what we think we are or what we say we are. There's always that little bit of uh, inner struggle that happens.
0: Mm, yeah, I think lately I'm wondering, so if if my belief is there's a lot of problematic things going on with the lack of sex education or people teaching things which aren't true, and I have a responsibility to correct those, then I have cognitive dissonance when my behavior is to garden or spend time having a nice meal with a friend and not completely devoting all of that time to confronting the sex education problems. There, that's a big one for me. Um, I would say another one is around money, where if I have more than what I need, there's also this sense that I, I shouldn't be spending it on things that make my life more elite. Like I, I don't need to buy a spare hair things or nice mangoes. I need to give that money to the Pavarella Center, which is a homeless shelter we have. Or I need to make sure that uh, animals without food have more food. So yeah, I would say it's very possible to be constant state of cognitive dissonance for me, and there's a lot of discomfort around that. But it's always very validating when you or someone else highlights that and has empathy and says, Lindsay, we know that you're feeling this and it'll pass or or just it's okay to have that feeling.
1: I think something that to go along with what you're saying, when you prioritize, when you put others first, uh, whether they're animals or people or projects, when you put them first, that's energy that isn't going to yourself, whether it's uh, related to your health whether it's related to your responsibilities, uh, or even just your hobbies, that energy that you put into others can cause dissonance when you're not taking care of yourself. You can develop a, perhaps a bitterness or, or spite and, and think, hey, I was just doing mm. something very kind, something very helpful. Who's looking out for me? And it's It's a balance the way I see it is you have to take care of yourself to a certain uh, level of satisfaction first before you can project that kindness out further into others, uh, or else you will start feeling that dissonance. You'll start feeling that resentment. So if you have to, you take care of yourself as a priority so that you can better project the kindness and the, the education and the things that you want to put into the world in a more effective way.
0: So simple and so profound.
1: I've been in a place where I've realized that I've done things purely out of spite. And and looking back, I'm like, that was a nice thing to do. But because of where I was, uh, because I wasn't taking care of myself, it did not give me any sense of gratitude. I only felt resentment for it. And that's That's how I can tell when I need to start filling my own bucket. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. I mean, it's. I think the difference between generosity and martyrdom, if I am doing something so that I am taking care of uh, someone else, uh, sacrificing myself and doing harm, then yeah, it's going to be a resentment. I'm going to have this premeditated anger because I have done something for them, which they didn't ask me to per se and i don't actually have the the resources to give to it but yep sign me up for the queen martyr and what i think you're saying is fill yourself up first be be the queen and then you will have the resources to give and it will be out of love and kindness rather than uh, yeah sacrifice
1: you got it <laughs> yeah
0: so how do you fill up your your self-love in buckets.
1: Find hobbies. Find things that pull you away from the distractions. and it's individual to everyone is you know, some people um, would rather sit and read. some people like going for walks, but something recreational, something that brings that energy back to you. I'm trying to think of other examples. Spending time with friends if, if, that's, if you're more of a person who likes to spend time uh, with others or spending time alone and resting if you're a person who prefers to rest. It's, it's whatever recharges you. And it's, it's being sensitive to, to that gratitude of, of saying this is something that's what builds the insight, the resources inside, so that the things that you do outwardly project that gratitude.
0: I like it. I think you have a lot on your plate too.
1: <laughs> it happens, yes. A lot of, a lot of responsibilities and such. Yeah, that happens.
0: Where do you have cognitive dissonance in your sexuality right now?
1: Oh, <laughs> no, that is a good question. Um, mostly, my cognitive dissonance is that uh, I'm in a committed married relationship, mm-hmm. and the, there's no sex, um, mm-hmm. and I guess to be fair, I'd say once a year is about fair. Is, is how often we try, but uh, it's been it's been lacking. Um, I've been trying to talk about it, and what what's bothering me mostly is that the conversations feel coercive. I don't want that. It. When I start that conversation, it automatically starts feeling like I'm trying to coerce something. And that's wrong. I don't want that. And that's Mm. why it's hard to have that conversation. Is is that something you've ever had any experience with?
0: Yeah. uh, I feel like there are multiple men, especially in my life. And I should say women, too, who are in relationships where the... Their sexual drive is higher than their partner's, and even bringing that up feels like they're harassing another the person and challenging that person's sexuality their sexual expression. And so, yeah, you're definitely not alone in that struggle or uh, the system of feeling, the you know, what I imagine the belief to be is sex is important to me, but the behavior being I'm not having it.
1: So that, that's that's where I'm feeling my most my biggest disconnect because um, of course uh, the popular things to say are uh, you have to be able to express your needs your sexual needs to your partner and at the same time doing that feels forceful and there's uh, that that shuts down that conversation before it even starts so I, I don't know where to take that from from here so that, that's that's the dissonance that I'm feeling right now.
0: Have you written a letter to express your emotions and thoughts around it without the expectation that the person respond or or even read it? But to just make peace where this is this is everything. I'm gonna do it this one time and then then the conversation ends and I go about figuring out what I do have the ability to change and let go of the things that I don't.
1: I have not done a letter, I can do that. That sounds like something that's very doable. I feel like the words are are right in the tip of my brain, something that I've had there for years. So, but how do I write that, again, without that, that extra, I need to be able to pull the, uh, I don't know, it's not animosity, I have to be able to pull the pressure out of that, because I don't want to say, here it is in writing. I don't want it to come across like that but uh, to be able to write it out, even if I don't get a response like you said, I should be able to write that out. I'll do that.
0: Thank you Well, the thing that I that has really helped me in letters is that acronym think is it thoughtful, honest, intelligent, necessary, and kind and I almost go through every single sentence with that checklist and if it's not, those things, then it goes away and I try to keep it as simple as possible. And so it sounds, I'm not trying to play therapist right now, Troy, but it sounds like you, the things that are true are you're in a committed marriage, you're having sex once a year and you would like to be having, uh, an outlet for expressing your sexual needs with your partner and not wanting the other person to feel pressured, so you can present that case and a solution, or ask for a su- solution, and then outside of that, the goal is to not have expectations of how they respond.
1: Understood. And, <laughs> and I a plus
0: student. <laughs> and I am
1: not trying to play patient either. So I was I was very concerned about how this this would go, but yeah, I figured this would probably come up, and okay, yes, I will write my feelings. Uh, and my you know, the facts and my intentions and go through the think process uh, and then certainly see what happens. Thank you.
0: Yeah, of course. I don't think at all that you're trying to be a, a patient. That's I'm just teasing myself more of checking my my fix it dial and making sure that I'm not coming in and trying to rescue you because you've been so. Well, I said this already, but just very, very kind. I love getting messages regularly from you that make me feel really understood and have this high degree of sensitivity about what I might be feeling in my circumstances. And you're clearly an empath and having empathic people in one's life is not to be taken for granted. (laughs) So I don't. I have a
1: question. Have I ever just missed the point completely?
0: I don't think so. Not in anything that comes to mind. And I, I do love telling people when they're wrong. So it's not like I'm trying to save face for either of us. Um,
1: because generally, it's like, well, hmm, I think this is how this person is feeling. Let me just lob this message in your general direction and see what happens, see what sticks. <laughs> it's, it doesn't really... I tend to presume and assume a lot. So
0: Mm.
1: anytime I'm ever wrong, be sure to say, hey, you might've read this, you might've heard this, but let me just explain. No. (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that brings up, there've probably been times where people in general, it could be you or other empathic people in my life will detect something like, hey, Lindsay, I hope you're okay. And they're uh, referring to something that, they think it's this outward experience that I've talked about online or that I am venting about on Facebook, and not aware that it's something else like, oh my gosh, I'm really afraid that my neighbor is going to mow down my new flowers, or you know, like it's, but you're still reading the emotions correctly. And I think that even though we don't know each other as people in real time space that well you have a very good understanding of my online self and the the human being who is behind all
1: of that. You you have to foster an entire audience. Uh, and I don't know how you do it, honestly, <laughs> because I, I don't assume I'm the only person who, who cares. I assume a lot of people care. No, nope, it's
0: just you, Troy. <laughs>
1: just me. <laughs> Um, but, but uh, I've come to this realization that even uh, if a person has good intentions or a well-intended message or a compliment, if it comes from twenty thousand people, it sends an additional message, uh, an additional to to an artist. Even well-intended messages can have an effect on them if it's constant and. Uh, I, I I'm always trying to be careful not to just bombard messages mm-hmm. because because I don't know what your side, what your experience is in relationship to your audience. So I'm always trying to be careful not to over project. And uh, so I was just uh, from your standpoint, that is there ever a time where I know you had a you had a video where you talked about, flirting or, you know, how the messages in the comments were taken. And does it Oh, ever the be-
0: one about hitting on me? Like is yeah. it okay to hit on me?
1: Yeah. Does does that correspondence in general have an effect on you?
0: That's a really good example of cognitive dissonance because my belief is that people need to ask um one another for sex or sexual engagement but society is also pushing back and saying we don't like the behavior of being hit on or it's not okay to ask someone out or it's not okay to tell someone that you want to have sex with them. And so I was trying to unpack that and negotiate it and figure out how we move forward. If you, if you want us to ask if consent is really important but you also don't want unwanted sexual uh, attention, where, where do we stand? Um so I would just say that for me, I think that intention and context are something I've learned to read over time. And they're really important to how I accept or reject that attention. And so I think that you're – I'm going to use you as an example. But I think that your intention and your context have been really clear and um, non-threatening. And so I don't ever feel like Troy is problematic and if there is a time where it's like this thing reminds me of you or this article or I had this thought today and it's more than I can respond to or more than I can receive at that time, then I just let it exist there in my inbox. And I, I don't ever feel pressured to upkeep the reciprocity of it and make sure that for every message you send, I send a message because I, I can't negotiate on those terms. Um Or that's those are the terms I've negotiated. Um, For other people, I will get messages where it really feels like they want something from me. They're looking for free therapy, or they're looking to just stir me up or confuse me, and that is problematic because their intention is harmful or threatening. And in that way, I have I you know look at that cognitive dissonance of yes, like I. I believe that it's important for people to communicate. And my behavior is to ignore this message because it's overwhelming to me. And, you know, the conflict works itself out or passes over time. And usually I don't deal with it. <laughs> Move on <laughs> to the next thing. Okay. Well, good. Yeah, it's certainly hard. Um, the fan-creator-relationship um, is a new world i think for a lot of people to have that kind of accessibility to each other and at least with youtube that dynamic that those relationships are so important Mm -hmm. people will talk about the comments being their favorite part of being a youtube creator because you're not just talking at someone or uh standing on stage you are getting to have real-time dialogue with them and um, I would agree with that. I think it's such a precious medium for that and, and reason.
1: At the same time, there are folks who post a video and don't touch the comments ever. Don't scroll down. Really? Some people despise oh. their comments it's because, uh, it, well, you decidedly do not try to engage political discourse. Others do. And mm-hmm. that that invites opinions, and they can get strong. <laughs> they, can, they, get, they, yeah. can, they can become very, uh, there's a word, passionate.
0: Do you think I should do that more? Be more political? No,
1: I do not. <laughs> um, I believe that you are sensitive to your audience and to your community. Uh, as, as I remember you expressing in a, a Patreon post, when you were talking about uh, some current issues. And you're like, I was thinking about this video, but it would just invite all sorts of nonsense and, and, and animosity into your comments. And that was very thoughtful. Uh, I could tell that you wanted to have that as part of the part of the conversation, but you knew that there was so much risk involved.
0: I don't want to be fearful, though, right? Like, if, if the belief is that political dialogue is a force for change or a source of change, but the behavior is to not do it, then the behavior changes the belief to think, oh, it's okay if I don't talk about politics. It's okay if I'm not an activist. I can just be an educator. And I don't want to dupe myself in that way. I don't want that dissonance to trick me out of doing what's right. So it's, it's helpful, I think, to always check with key informants or people who know me really well and think differently than me to say, hey Lindsay, yes you do need to talk about politics or no, it's okay to stay on the course. And,
1: and I, I recall uh, you you got some feedback uh, you had asked, hey you know I wanted to talk about this and people responded like, well what about this or perhaps this angle um, And you know the, it didn't just stop with I'm not talking about politics. It became a conversation of what if we talked about it in this this way rather than this way and I saw you you were having a conversation I know you're not shying away from it and you're not scared of it but uh, if it's brought up thoughtfully if it's brought up uh, carefully it can still be discussed as long as it's not so opinionated as long as it's based in uh, facts as long as it's based in research um, that you know, you really can't put yourself in a bubble. You can't, you can't mm. ignore all the things that uh, invite challenges. And I can tell that yeah. you're you're trying.
0: Should we tell them what we're referring to?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering if that was going to happen too during this conversation. As we talk back and forth, we have a converse, conversations already under our belt. And I was wondering at what point are we going to talk to the audience, because we might talk about something completely within ourselves and not give it away. Uh, But I think the, uh, the involuntary celibate community.
0: Nah, yeah, you said it.
1: (laughs) And, and, and I honestly wasn't sure if I was going to bring that up in context of my dissonance, because I, uh, with my wife once a year and looking Mm -hmm. for certainly more than that. And, It's like, does that resonate? Is that something that should just flow into the incel conversation? And no, (laughs) it isn't.
0: So if people don't know about the topic Troy and I are talking about, here's how it all came to be. Somebody had asked me about involuntary celibacy. It came up again. Somebody had messaged about incels. And basically you have this um, broader experience of – being celibate, not having sex, but not wanting that. You you would definitely like to get laid or have sex, but it's not happening. It's involuntary celibacy. And there is um, a smaller group within that who identify the first as inv- I-N-V-C-E-L-S. It was started by a woman. Um, she turned the group over to someone else. It became more of an extremist group. Um, population, and they identify as incels and believe that they are owed sex and um, have been responsible for at least three mass shootings where they have um, tried to kill people because of their anger around not uh, having sex, which they believe is a right. And then there's language like I think they um, refer to people, women, as Stacy's who they're angry with for not sleeping with them and chads are the men who the stacys sleep with even though they believe like everyone should get it and, or they should at least and on patreon.com slash explanations for the youtube channel there is a pledge level where people can vote on the upcoming topics that i cover and the highest voted one was for involuntary celibacy which can be talked about with. in in that broader sense, but does need to include the extreme version of it. That's part of education. And I I really want to do what my audience wants, but at the same time, I did not want to attract the very people that do the most harm on the internet and the most harm to um, sexual health and freedom and, you know, to women, and so I sent out a post saying, "Here's the situation, and what are your thoughts?" Uh, since then, I've kind of had this really funny revelation. So we did an episode on blue balls, which I I am now calling my insult episode <laughs> to be like, okay, I don't ever say it, and. It's definitely not covering involuntary celibacy, but it's kind of like this funny substitute for the concept of, okay, you're sexually frustrated and um, what is happening physiologically and what are some solutions. (laughs) So (laughs) I've worked it out.
1: You might want to read or view this piece of knowledge. We've talked about this.
0: Yeah. That's good. Um, so, hey, do you want to do kegels?
1: I do. Main squeeze, squeeze it good.
0: And you suggested we do male-toned voices and female tone, the, the moans back and forth.
1: I wasn't sure how that would pan out because uh, I'm fairly confident those aren't your voice. They're not. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I had since come up with another idea of just counting backwards from 15 down to one and not necessarily having to coordinate any kind of, uh, moons.
0: (laughs) Well, I love how prepared you are and I love not having to think about how to do them. So it's guest choice. Um, the, the sounds are mixed by Count Buggy who did all the, uh, had his, um, I think his lovers did the moans, and Count Boogie could add his own voices. Or I I think that you're more than capable of moaning too, Troy, if you would like the whole internet to have access to your your moans.
1: They, they already do, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. But
1: I will gladly... Uh, countdown? Okay. Okay. I will start at 15, and clench and release uh, with each count, Ready?
0: Sounds good.
1: All right, I'll do it too. 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, Seven, six, five, four, three, two, and one.
0: That's awesome. I like it when other people coordinate it for me because then I can focus on doing them. Well done.
1: Yeah <laughs> uh, I was I wanted to make sure I didn't like uh, turn on the sultry voice or anything like that. I didn't want it to turn into anything <laughs> like that.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was very soothing, and I, I now wonder how people listening experience it when we do it. When when I'm doing the count, do they feel like it's some sort of um, power play relationship where I am telling them to now do this? erotic thing with their bodies because when you're doing it and, and it, it feels very clinical, I'm like, okay, Troy is this respectful gentleman and yet he is saying a number and I know what I'm supposed to be doing with my vagina. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this this could totally be read as power play. And so now I'm all curious, how are other people experiencing it? Tell us in the comments.
1: <laughs> Can't wait.
0: Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be fun. Uh, what about sexter
1: credit homework? Now you can practice at home, know, gives you or
0: credit.
1: I had a thought, uh going off of what we were talking about earlier about how kindness and your own happiness kind of resonate off of each other through gratitude. The project that I came up with was to have tonight or whichever night you can, select your clothing for the next day, your shoes whatever jewelry, whatever you're going to wear, have it folded or hung neatly and prepared. And that way, in the morning when you wake up, the first thing, the first bit of energy that you experience is for yourself. And you can already tell, someone selected out this clothing for me. Attention has been given to me and I can like. It's something that I selected with my own time and my own energy. And from that, as your day goes on, see if it projects into kindness outwardly as your day continues, if it starts from yourself. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it's very deep. and, and i'm I am already curious about what clothing I have that I could do that with and whether or not my preferences for one day's dress, can be predicted the night before, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, your, pred- your predictability is 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 not there. I remember that.
0: <laughs> like I woke up. Now I'm gonna put on flip flops, <laughs> but I like it. I, I and I am. I will do my homework. Good. It's a beautiful assignment.
1: And I will as well. Oh, uh, I wore my uh, my almond joy t-shirt. Because underneath the Almond Joy, it says sometimes you feel like a nut. And that feels <laughs> appropriate so for this episode.
0: That's perfect. As you can see, I'm wearing a romper. I think I got it from um, the little kid's section of some place. <laughs> and sunglasses, as usual. It's uh, my pants and shirt in one outfit. only have to think once.
1: That's good.
0: It is. But I'm I'm still really excited about this whole idea of finding simple, meaningful ways to love on myself with more intention. And, you know, starting that day off with that energy from me that was cultivated the night before is, is really, really cool. Because I think that I am um, really good at self-care. I would say it's one of my strengths, but it's not always intentional. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this dance class or I'm going to get this massage because I'm taking care of myself. But I don't ever take it to the next level to say because I deserve this or because I um, need energy from which I can give to others. So Awesome. Well done, Troy. Thanks for taking such good care of all of us.
1: You are quite welcome.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome to see uh, all the people that you follow and the people I follow, and um, to just see you giving them love and receiving love from you. And, and uh, I hope that you're getting it in your own life. If you're not giving it to yourself, that maybe you cease explanations as a source of energy, and we're not all just sucking you dry.
1: <laughs> no, that has never okay. been a thought. It's only okay. been the other way around.
0: Aww. Well, cool. I'm, and I'm glad that I, I got to meet you in person. And if you, um, if I didn't do a proper introduction to begin with, again, Troy is someone I have known online who is, again, a huge advocate for many, many creators, a lot of whom are in the sex positivity community. And you're, you've just done such a great job at supporting all of us. So I am really, really lucky that you offered to be on my podcast to talk to me about Fessinger's cool theories.
1: (laughs) I did not have any inclination that he was your favorite until today, though.
0: Well, I wouldn't say he's my favorite, but the theory of cognitive dissonance is certainly my favorite, and now knowing that he also came up with the proximity effect, that just makes him that much cooler, and um, yeah, now I have a squish.
1: (laughs) Well, good. Th- those okay, are um. fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, squishes are great. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast.
1: You are quite welcome. Have a good day.
0: You too. And um, before we go, thank you to Callie from Cinema Studios for the sound engineering and to Complexity for production and Count Boogie for the jingles and Cora and Paro. I'm still learning.